Hi, I'm Dale Sherbeck, and welcome to the HQ, a CHA Learning and Healthcare Can podcast serial, where we dive into healthcare issues and topics from the perspective of its people and discuss them with those that are leading in the health system. Together, we'll try to unpack these topics and learn what actions are being taken to innovatively solve them today. So if I say coaching, what comes to mind? What does it mean to be a coach? And more importantly, what does it mean in healthcare? We publicly hear about the need for more doctors and nurses, but we don't often hear about what is needed in terms of more coaches. Though admittedly, there are proponents for this. And why is that? Perhaps you've had people in your own life who formally or informally call themselves a coach, or someone has asked you to coach them on how to do something well, like get ready for a big presentation. What did any of it mean? And how do you know they were coaching you, let alone well? I know when I step onto a little league diamond with my son and his team each spring as an assistant coach, I ask myself that very question. Seriously, how am I going to possibly teach these 12 kids to play baseball and improve in two months and still have fun doing it? Oh, and in the last couple of years, also not catch COVID in the process. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that we use the word coach often and somewhat indiscriminately, and many who say they're coaching, while best intentioned, aren't really sure what it means or how to do it. So how do we do it? And how do we do it well? After all, in most organizations, and certainly healthcare organizations, we talk about teams, we talk about leaders, and we might even talk about game plans. But where does the coach fit into this? And what's the role of coaching and staff and organizational development? So to discuss this topic, I'm joined by Amanda Bjorn. Amanda is a coach, a learner, a teacher, a leader, and she's a former occupational therapist and also the former executive vice president of people and culture and strategy at Thunder Bay Regional Health Science Center, where it's, which is where I met her for the first time. I think Amanda is a unique health leader whose experiences in healthcare have taken her from bedside to boardroom. She's the creator of Providence Healthcare's PRISM award-winning Leadership Development Institute and the Me to We to All framework for human and organizational development. Amanda is also accidentally creator of the largest public library collection of leadership books in the city of Toronto. And very recently, Amanda opened her own coaching and consulting business the, so that she can thrive by helping others to flourish. So hi, Amanda, and welcome to the HQ. Hi, Dale. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you again. How have you been? I've been good. You know, it's uh, been a lot that everyone working in healthcare has been through the past two years, as I know that you just described. Um, but that's one of my greatest joys is caring for the people who care for the patients. So thrilled to be here today talking about coaching and the role that that can play in caring for the people that provide care. Awesome. Um, so I, before we start, though, I just I have to ask you the question about the public library collection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how did you accidentally do that? I just started to order all of my favorite leadership books for the hospital library at Providence Healthcare. And my team and I every year just would sit down with our list of everything we read and everything we wanted to read. And we would just buy those for the staff. We'd get the audio books too, so people could listen to them in their car. 
And then one day we had someone actually come to the hospital and tell us that they were there to come to our library because we had actually amassed the largest collection of leadership development books in one place <laughs> in Toronto. And we were shocked to hear that. We had no idea. We were just, you know, collecting the things we loved so that other people could learn and grow. That's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, going from, the, you know, the concepts of, of leadership and I mean, and the, Back to my opening remarks, I mean, what is coaching, Amanda? I mean, how is it different from managing, leading, teaching, or even facilitating? Uh, just, yeah, help us understand that. So many people ask that question, so I'm really glad that you did. This is my definition of coaching. Coaching is a way of being and relating that brings out the best in people, teams, and organizations. So there's two parts to that. The first is coaching is a way of being. So how many of you have a to-do list? You know, like a list of everything you need to do, all the tasks to achieve your goals. Yeah. But how many have a to-be list? Like, who do I want to be as a person, as a leader? How do I want to show up to support the best for myself and for others? So that's the first part of coaching. It's a way of being. And mm -hmm. that's related to your mindset, too. So your mindset is a predisposition to see the world in a certain way. And coaches train and work really hard to shift their mindset in a way that is a lot more um, positive and possibility oriented and appreciative of others. Uh, a really actively curious mindset, you know, curious for the sake of learning about this other person and helping them learn about themselves. And the coaching mindset is very human. Uh, which is non-judgmental and generous and really knowing that we're all interconnected. So that's the first part of, of what coaching is. It's, it's a mindset and a way of being. And then it's a way of relating to other people through really specific skills. So there's the coaching skill, first of all, of deep active listening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all think we're pretty good listeners, but... <laughs> How many times are you, you know, making your grocery list in your head when someone's talking to you? Yeah, your mind's somewhere else. It's somewhere else. So coaches listen at a, a deeper level where you're very present with the other person. Um, you're tuning into everything about them, you know, micro changes on their face that can give away how they're feeling or their emotions. Um, the energy between you and the other person. A coach really listens for all of those things. The other skill coaches train to use is asking powerful questions. So questions that are open-ended and are meant to evoke learning and insight in the other person. And then the third thing is learning how to say something because you can listen all you want, but you also sometimes have to say something to contribute to the conversation. So coaches know what to say, when to say it, and at the right time and place in the conversation. I guess there's probably a, a, another part to that, though, I guess, about, about how do they say it? Because even when you're describing the first parts about the, the listening, the studying, um, and then asking questions, there's also a part of me that was thinking about, you know, uh, you know police detectives and somebody in an, an interrogation room, and they're being studied, and they're being asked hard questions. So I don't think any of us would think of those people as coaches. So um, where where does it divide? And I mean, is there another part to that in terms of, I guess, the, the reason that people are asking the questions or how they're asking the questions? It's such a great point you're making because the questions are for the sake of the other person. 
they're not for you as the coach. The question is um, a generous way to help evoke insight um, and learning for the other person. So they're questions that are truly curious, like they don't have a hidden motive or mm -hmm. any other intention behind them. Um, they're like almost like a gift for the other person to learn about themselves, to be able to explore themselves, to pull out their solutions to the problems that they're facing in their life. And is there another part to, in terms of, I guess, the the relationship between the the I don't know if it's the, the coachy, um, uh, but the person who's asked you to coach um, and and the coach in that respect. I mean, how does that get formed and and I guess set up some of the other parts that you've just been talking about? It's really interesting how the coaching mindset and skills naturally build that relationship. When you show up with that mindset and you use those skills appropriately, psychological safety just immediately gets mm -hmm. produced. Um, I actually did a session with some physicians just last week to teach them the coaching mindset and skills. And they were absolutely shocked at how quickly the relationship and the psychological safety was really built with each other when they were showing up with the coaching mindset and using the coaching skills. So that mm -hmm. relationship is huge because that builds trust for you to open up to your coach so that you can fully explore every part of yourself, the stuff you might not even want to look at. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm, I, I deviate from some of the, thought, the questions I guess I wanted to sort of ask about, but there's a part of me that wants to know whether that would change the way a physician practiced, you know, not just in terms of the way, you know, you interact with them in that moment and helping them to be a better person. Um, but does it change the way they practice medicine in terms of their role as a physician because they've learned how to coach? Absolutely, it can. Um, I mean, coaching skills you can take, like I said, right from the bedside to the boardroom. So the coaching approach to the therapeutic relationship with your patients can be a catalyst to build a stronger connection, to build psychological safety. Um, also, part of the coaching mindset is seeing other people as creative, as whole, as not needing fixed, but as like glorious opportunities to be enhanced. So if you're a physician, for example, and that's the way you show up with your patient, that's giving the patient permission to be the expert in their life. And that can be so empowering when you give them your attention, ask them questions about what they're experiencing in a really kind and curious way so much as possible and so much in terms of patient satisfaction can be improved if that's the way we show up for our patients. Hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm trying to think about my own interactions with uh, physicians and others in that space and, and how, it, how it has gone or how it could have gone differently in that respect. So I mean, just coming back to, you know, the coaching more purely. Uh, so, I mean, you've talked a little bit about it, but I mean, anything else that you would like to add with respect to how does, how do you do it or how do you, how does anybody sort of coach the, like the 10 steps to being a great coach or. <laughs> sure. Um, another thing I just want to add um, first is that, you know, coaches aren't experts in whatever area that the person they're coaching is an expert in. Um, so that's something that distinguishes a coach from a teacher or a mentor um, so for example, I'm not a content expert in architecture, but I've coached an architect. Mm -hmm. I am not a physician, but I coach physicians. Um, so 
it's like I don't know if you know the show Ted Lasso. Yes. Oh my God, I love Ted. <laughs> it's such a great show. <laughs> so Ted, you know, he's an American football coach, goes to England to become a soccer coach, knows nothing about soccer, but he does know about people. You know how to grow people, stretch people, how to help them see their strengths and bring out the best in them. So that's really what differentiates a coach from a mentor or. Um, you know, from a teacher is the coach doesn't have that expertise. They're an expert in coaching. They know how to grow and transform people. So anyone can really do it. I mean, you don't need hundreds and hundreds of hours of coach training to be able to be more coach-like in every way that you show up in the world. Um, but you can adopt the coaching mindset. Um, there's a great story um, in the book by Benjamin and Rosamond Zander, The Art of Possibility, um, that kind of sets the, what the coaching mindset is all about. Uh, there's a shoe factory that sends two different marketing scouts to a region in Africa to study the prospects of expanding business. The first scout sends a, tele a telegram back saying, situation hopeless, they don't wear shoes here. <laughs> the second scout sends a telegram back saying, glorious opportunity, they don't have any shoes. So anyone can take that mindset of seeing other people around them as glorious opportunities. And yeah. to me, that's the very first step that anyone can adopt in being more coach-like in how they interact with the world. Right. But without the compulsion to want to fix, I guess, right? Yes. That, or as, as I've certainly learned, right, that a, a more predominantly male mindset, um, when prevented, presented with a problem, our desire to, instead of listen, to, uh, to go out and, and fix it and tell people what they should do instead. Absolutely. That's the next thing you have to do is tame your advice monster. <laughs> so we often, when we're listening, that's another thing we're doing is we're just waiting to provide our advice to the other person. Um, and that's what you really have to cut back on with coaching is helping the other person find their own way. So if you see them as a glorious opportunity who doesn't need fixing, who just needs maybe some good questions from you to pull out their own answers to the problem that they're facing, that actually builds new neural pathways in people's brain when they solve their own problems themselves. And that's what coaching does. That's a... Uh... Yeah, I, I'm. I'm I, yeah, I'm trying to sort of see how that would feel. I guess as much as anything, I'm, I'm is what I'm. I'm trying to imagine feelings, like what a person feels before that, and then what the feeling would feel like as a as a result of that. So it would be a, you know, letting go. I guess of some, you know, that air and just sort of maybe letting go of some anxiety or fear or something else that sort of balled up in that. Yes, absolutely. On both people's parts, right? Because often our anxiety that we are experiencing is what causes us to tell people what to do or to give advice. Um, it can also make people feel, you know, that you don't trust them to come up with their own solutions. So allowing them that space to figure out their challenges on their own, that can feel so great. It's like, I solved this thing. I knew I had it in me. Um, and the coach just helped you bring that out. That can build such huge confidence for people. So with all these sort of wonderful um, benefits of it, I mean, why don't more people do it? I mean, what's getting <laughs> in the way? <laughs> I think that sometimes there's a misconception about coaching and how to use coaching. Some 
organizations that I've worked with, it's almost like a punitive thing. So it's seen as a last resort for maybe someone who's on the verge of getting fired. Okay, we've tried everything. Let's get so-and-so a coach and see if that will solve these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you build that perception in your organization, that's how coaching will be viewed. Or if you have that belief as a leader in an organization, that's how the people in your organization will see coaching. Um, so coaching works the best when people are willing to look at themselves and when they want to grow and develop and when they want to be their best self. That's when coaching can really, really be powerful. Um, so at one hospital that I worked at, we consciously created that culture where coaching would be desirable for people instead of being seen as something that was punitive. And it started right from the very top. So the CEO herself was seeing a coach. And she was very public about her positive experience with coaching and how she was working with her coach on things like governance and relationship with the board and strategy and the benefits that she was getting from it. All of a sudden, she made it completely okay to work with a coach because she was and she was open about it. It then became seen as a huge perk and an advantage if you were working with a coach in that organization. So I think that's part of the challenge is people's beliefs around coaching and how to use it. And then um, the understanding of what it is as well. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. Um, And I guess I'm wondering where that that narrative changes in our our experiences. Um, You know, because I think, you know, part of what you're describing is using coaching not to fix problems or when you have a problem, but using it to, you know, to be better um, as well. Um, and certainly when you're young, even going back to my little league example, right? I mean, children don't fear going to be coached, right? They think that's a not, I'm not on this team to be coached because I'm a bad player. You assume that it's a natural part of learning and growing. So I'm, I'm wondering where that changes in our perception, where we move from being, you know, expecting that coaches play an important part of our um, professional development or personal development to being something that is only exercised when, you know, you've done something wrong and there needs to be an intervention. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, even looking at the way we train our healthcare workers. So at the conference I was presenting last week to physicians, again, about the coaching mindset and skills, they voiced concern about how they were even trained in terms of support for leadership development Mm -hmm. um, and the lack of support for leaders Um, In healthcare, you know, often you're a really, really great nurse. And then all of a sudden, the next day you find yourself because of that leading a whole group of nurses, but you've never had that support for your development. Um, And that's where I think we can really shift um, in healthcare being a lot more vulnerable about that and providing more of that support. Because it's a very public journey. You know, when you're a leader, all of a sudden, you have these people looking to you for leadership. And somehow you're supposed to admit that you're not really sure what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you, you know, be open about your need for growth and development uh, instead of pretending that you don't need it? And how do you be open to share with people? Yes, I'm working with a coach or yes, I'm taking this leadership program um, so that you can do that public journey without being embarrassed about it. Because honestly, we all have imposter syndrome. If you think your colleague next to you has leadership figured out, it's absolutely not true. <laughs> So, you know, if we could be more open about that and support people a lot more, 
Um, and can you imagine if every organization, um, healthcare organization in Canada, made the growth and development of its people a strategic priority? Like, how exciting would that be? And to truly do that through providing leadership support, which coaching is a huge component of that. So I guess moving from that, then, um, you know, what is its role then in leadership development? Is it a formal or informal sort of, you know, juxtaposition or where does it fit within all of that? Yeah, originally when I was building a leadership development program um, for a hospital, I did a lot of research about why leadership programs fail. And part of what I found was the lack of, of the coaching support for development. Um, so, you know, we, we need that one-on-one space where we can get the support of another person to grow and develop. You can't do this alone. And that's what coaching really provides is that safe and courageous space for you to work on, on yourself. Um, I truly believe that leading self is where we all need to start. And it's really hard to do that alone because you don't have that sounding board um, to talk about yourself and get feedback. So it's really, really important to do that work with a coach. Um, everyone that I've seen too, I've got to observe so many people go through their leadership journey and the people that worked with coaches really accelerated um, through that journey a lot quicker. I mean, it is a lifelong journey. You're never going to get <laughs> mm-hmm. to be the perfect leader. Um, but they also had greater satisfaction with where they got to in terms of achieving their leadership goals um, and ended up creating a lot more value for the organization as well. Never mind their direct reports being a lot more satisfied with them um, when they were using coaching as well as as um, you know, leadership development workshops and things like that. And another huge component is team coaching, which you can add to any leadership development program, because all of a sudden you're creating a space where people can learn and grow together um, with a coach, but also with all of their peers. And that can really solidify your leadership development journey to go, hmm, you know, Dale feels the same way I do. And he's an experienced healthcare leader. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Amanda is doing this to support her people better and to grow, maybe I could do some of that too. So that team coaching aspect is something else that can really enhance people's leadership development. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that respect, but um, I think going back to the individual part, I mean, what you're describing gave me sort of vision of, you know, a coach being almost like, like a mirror for someone, right? I mean, right, to be able to see themselves in a, you know, through somebody else's eyes. And, and I guess it's perhaps an active mirror that provides, you know, some direction or, or feedback as well in that respect. But, you know, it's hard to imagine us getting dressed every day without, you know, using a mirror to help us, <laughs> so, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I can't right. imagine putting on my makeup without my mirror. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but a coach can play that role for us, I guess, and as from what you're describing. But so in that space, you know, where, you know, there's, you know, issues around trust and vulnerability, um, self-awareness, I am curious about what you're describing about the coaching and team part. How does that change when you're doing it with other people in the room with you, not just that one person you form that trust with? Yeah, that's where it gets really fascinating because often people would bring things to their one-on-one coaching sessions that they didn't quite feel comfortable enough sharing in the group setting. Um, So that's why I love the combination of individual coaching and then group coaching. However, over time, as that psychological safety builds in the group, 
people start to be very open and the things that they brought, you know, to the one-on-one that they didn't really feel as comfortable sharing in the group, they start to share. And that's where the magic really happens. Um, Because again, people can really feel normal when they know that someone else is feeling the exact same way that they are. So that's why I love the group coaching part is because then you get to hear from others. It's not just you and your coach. It's, it's learning from so many other people, um, hearing the beliefs that other people have, seeing the strengths that others have, seeing maybe some of the shadows and the weaknesses that someone else has. And that can be a mirror for you too. It's like, why is that triggering me? Oh, it's because I do the same thing and I don't like that about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's so much learning in the group setting as well. Interesting. I, I, and it, it makes sense, I think, as I'm listening to you because of, uh, you know, healthcare, you know, the, the need and, and, you know, it's not every day or a commonplace still, but, but there's still, you know, increasing focus on the interprofessionalism side of it. Right. So, um, and that, you know, the, the need to work as a team. Um, so, you know, it, it, I can see the value in, in using that coaching sort of space in that to try and create that kind of team dynamic. Is that, would that be right? Or Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, what I've seen happen is that sometimes um, team members put other team members into a box. So it's like, oh, that person's the physician. So this is what they're going to believe. This is what they're going to say. Um, and it's almost like they judge each other ahead of time. Um, But when you can do team coaching together, it can dispel a lot of those myths um, and it can really help them be less judgmental about the difference that each of them have. And they start to value the difference more so that they can be more interprofessional and collaborative together. Hmm. Very interesting. I I think we have a a follow-up interview, I think, at some point to have a go into that into more depth. But um, so... How does that, I guess, maybe sort of extending from that, though, in terms of, you know, coaching as an impact on organizational culture um, and, you know, moving from just the me part of it, right, to um, that larger sort of organizational entity? um, What do you think? Such a great question. It's, It's fascinating, too, because when you're deliberate about building a coaching culture, then the whole culture can shift quite rapidly. But it's not just about the big things. I actually had a fascinating conversation today with some of my colleagues um, for a leadership course that I'm taking currently. We have small groups. It's almost like group coaching to support each other about Mm -hmm. what we're learning in the course. And we were talking about how fascinating it is that the small things that you do to show up more coach-like actually have such a huge impact on the culture of the organization. Um, I personally learned this firsthand. Last year, I took the Rotman Advanced Health Leadership Program uh, through the University of Toronto. And -hmm. we had to get feedback about our performance um, from peers, direct reports, bosses, former bosses, friends, family, everybody. And I was absolutely shocked (laughs) at how it was the small things that I did that really impacted people. And it was all the things about like the coaching approach. Um, so, you know, one piece was about how one time in a meeting, I said that I was feeling nervous and Mm -hmm. how me just saying that opened up the space for everyone else who was also feeling nervous or that I asked a question in a meeting instead of telling people what to do and how people thought that that was so valuable because they got to contribute. It wasn't just the command and control approach. 
So there's the small things, you know, that the coaching approach brings that if we do those every day, that can build the culture. Um, And then there's just being really deliberate and intentional about it um, and providing people with coaching so that they get the experience, they become their best self. And it's funny, they almost start using the coaching skills then with the people that report to them um, because they see the benefit of it. And then all of a sudden, those people are seeing, oh my gosh, my boss is showing up different. Now I'm engaged. I'm being asked for my opinion. I'm being listened to at a deeper level than I've ever been listened to before. They start to show up like that for the people that they care for or for the patients. So it can start at the top and trickle all the way down to eventually building the coaching approach deliberately as well to the therapeutic relationship, which can have a huge impact to culture, quality, innovation, absolutely everything. So when presented with these kinds of opportunities or helping others to sort of even explore the idea of coaching, whether for themselves or for an organization and certain in leaders, I think, because I was, as you're talking about the command and control sort of approach to things, which we've seen a lot of, I guess, during our pandemic, um, do you get pushback or, or comments to the, I don't have time for that? Yes, all the time. That's another piece of the coaching mindset is understanding that it's a long game. Like, you know, it's quicker to tell people what to do. It's quicker to use command and control. But in the long term, that approach doesn't leave people feeling satisfied, um, engaged, valued, or feel like they're contributing. And I completely agree with you, you know, especially early on in the pandemic, we really had to use command and control. And that's appropriate. That's in an emergency. You know, when you're trying to keep people safe, you have to do that to, um, you know, tell people what to do so you can you can keep people safe. Um, but again, in the long term, it's it's not going to be effective. So we know that the coaching approach to leadership is an approach that really allows people to flourish It can be something that can retain people in your organization because they'll feel very satisfied if they are treated that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we really need to look at in healthcare. You know, we're losing people who are burnt out pre-COVID. We really need to shift the way that we're treating people so that they want to stay in our organizations. And investing in people through coaching that feels really good. People feel valued. They feel like the organization cares about them to invest in them in this, in this really, really special way. Yeah. It is definitely a change in mindset, right? That, that, you know, our people aren't, you know, human resources, right. But they are right. They're partners in our, in our business and our culture. Um, You know, I empathize, I think with leaders and, you know, having a leadership role myself, right? When the pandemic started, it was like, you know, you, yeah, you can do your command and control. You try to sort of lead with minimal information. Um, and you think it's going to be three months, becomes six months, becomes a year, 18 months, two years, we're still into it. Right. And I think there's probably leaders out there with all the best intentions that thought that wasn't going to last. And, you know, and, perhaps have found themselves trapped in certain kinds of mindsets or, or leadership um, tactics. But I mean, where is the role of coaching, I guess, in helping us come out of this pandemic um, from this recovery and, and, you know, without 
you know, borrowing too much from Biden, you know, but building new or building better, right? Um, you know, where do we go next and, and where's the role for coaching in that? Yeah, this is where I think we really need to focus on our people going forward. And again, how we treat each other and, and how we socially interact with each other. It makes such a huge difference um, in terms of how happy and satisfied we are in the workplace. So coaching is a way of showing up to treat people with respect, um, to engage them, to see them as experts in the solutions that we need to be coming up with to enhance patient care and enhance their own work-life balance. You know, so healthcare workers really, I think we need to focus on seeing them, hearing them, and making them feel valued. And the coaching approach does that. Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard about um, Google's Project Aristotle, where they looked mm-hmm. at what makes the best teams. And what they found was psychological safety is the key to success. Um, for people to thrive on the team, for the th- team to be the most productive, produce the best results, love working together. And the coaching approach actually builds psychological safety. And like I mentioned earlier, it builds it quite quickly. So I think this is a way that we really need to show up for our healthcare workers to build new. And again, I can't imagine what could be possible if every hospital and every healthcare organization decided that we're going to focus on building our people because we see it as a strategic advantage and a strategic priority. I think that would be fabulous. So again, the coaching formally, I think that's really important but also teaching people the coaching mindset and skills. So that's how they can show up with each other in the workplace. Yeah. So it's, there's a formal part when you enter into a coaching relationship and then there's other parts where it just becomes, you know, another, I guess, tool, so to speak in your, your resource library and it, and it perhaps populates uh, in all of your sort of relationships and and communication. Um, So, you know, I mean, how does somebody get started in this respect? I mean, do you need to do you need to have a problem? Do you need to have a do you, do you need to have a vision board? Do you need to, you know, do, or do you just say, you know, I want to I want to start coaching? And you know, yeah, where does somebody start with this? For sure, I think if people could see the value, even in some of the things I've talked about, it's a great thing to think about. Is you know, what do I need to do to look at my mindset a little bit more? Um, what do I need to do to then look at some of the coaching skills. And there's so much available. There's even videos on YouTube where you can watch people do coaching demonstrations. Um, and through that, you can pick up some of the nuances and what types of questions are they asking? How are they doing that? Um, there's so many books too to read about coaching if you want to learn some of these skills to get you going. And it doesn't have to be to, again, train yourself to formally be able to sit down with someone for an hour and do coaching with them. Like, I truly believe you can be coach-like in how you answer an email, for example. You can be coach-like in how you chair a meeting. It's just showing up with those mindset and skills in your back pocket. Yeah, I I mean, it it can be very helpful, I think, in in a lot of the areas, like you said, where I guess communication is a part of our role and, and, and it's about how do we deliver those messages um, or how do we listen? Right. And, and especially those where, uh, 
we're managers or leaders and we have people who are reporting to us or we have oversight for them in terms of how do we help those people to achieve their their best potential yes absolutely yes and i'm thinking about my own leadership journey you know when i first started my first leadership role everybody under the sun came forward and said amanda you need to be more like this amanda you need to do this you need to be like that And all of that advice people gave me, you know, nothing really felt like me. It didn't feel like a fit. And then I realized that they were just giving me their own beliefs. And that was coming from their lens and the way they saw the world. And it wasn't until I worked with my coach that I was really able to get to, you know, who am I? How do I want to lead? What leadership styles fit me the best and feel authentically like me? You know, what are my values? What's important to me? What are the things I am not going to compromise on no matter what? I mean, what are my strengths? What am I really good at? And then what's the risk of me overusing those strengths? How does that maybe harm myself or others around me? And those are the things that a coach can really help you get clear on. And you don't have to just be starting your leadership journey. Maybe you've been a leader for you know, 10 years, 20 years, but you've never really asked yourself those questions because we don't take the time to do that. And coaching gives us that space, you know, where we can take the time to really get to know who we are um, and then see our impact on on other people around us by doing that self-exploration. Yeah, and I, I, I think probably a really important thing, I mean, because, I mean, so many people end up in those roles um, and it's just because you know, here's the job description, here's the office, go do it, right? And the and the training may be technical, but, you know, in terms of how do you deliver the feedback in terms of what they're doing well, what they're, like you said, um, perhaps leaning on too many certain competencies more than others and, and missing out other opportunities. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's been a, a great conversation, Amanda. Thank you very much. Um, I have learned a lot about coaching. <laughs> I can think of a lot of different places I can use this for sure. Um, but I really would be curious to learn more about it as well. So, but thank you um, for sharing so vulnerably yourself and and sharing your wisdom and your experience with us today. You're so welcome. It's my absolute pleasure to talk to you about coaching and would love to do it again sometime. Okay, well, we'll do that for sure, Amanda. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The HQ, and I'm Dale Sherbeck, your host. You can find this and other future episodes on the CHA Learning website, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think, so please follow us on our other social media channels. Thanks for joining us in this discussion today. Please join us next time.